you. The new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami. Surge, surge. The new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami. Surge, surge. It's a cane thing when we walk through. With the you ain't no bark, dude. Straight dog when we bring the fight. Ain't scared of no bright lights. Welcome back to the Wide Ride Podcast. This is Manny Navarro, your Miami Hurricanes beat writer at The Athletic. And today, as we uh, record this around 10 a.m. Tuesday, November 24th, I am bringing on a new guest to the show, somebody who I've worked with for many years covering the Miami Hurricanes. He does a phenomenal job for Inside the U and 247 Sports. David Lake, how you doing, David? Doing well, Manny. Good to be on with you. Uh, Thanksgiving week. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to looking forward to eating some good food, but also looking forward to this conversation we're going to have. Yes, uh, you do a phenomenal job. You and Andrew Ivins inside the Smoke uh, podcast, and um, I, I just you, you know I, f- I have so much respect for you because you and I have been covering this team now for it feels like two decades. When did you first start? Yeah, so I started right out of college, right? So I went to the University of Miami. Mm-hmm. I graduated in 2007. Okay. And at that time, uh, I worked uh, under Christopher Stock, who was running the Scout website, Scout at the time, uh, mm-hmm. Kane's time. And, you know, the two of us, along with Rudy Rodriguez Chomat, decided to start our own website, InsideTheU.com. Uh, you know, which 2007 was the first year of the Randy Shannon era. So it was kind of like a, a fresh start mm-hmm. in a way to start a new website. And from there, we've just kind of grown. We bounced our, first. We were just a totally independent website. Then we were ESPN affiliated. Then we joined 24 seven when that network first started. So just kind of grown over the years and, uh, you know, try and stay connected to the recruiting side of things. And of course, cover the team. But uh, it's a fun job. Got no complaints. Um, definitely more more fun times, more good times than not. By the way, I think I called it Inside the Smoke. It's Through the Smoke, right? Right. Through the Smoke <laughs> podcast, InsideTheU.com. So there you go. My I bad. I, no I, I called it Inside the Smoke. And I'm like, wait a minute. I just heard myself in my head. I played it back. And I'm like, I know I screwed that up. <laughs> no worries. You got it now. So um, your colleague, Andrew Ivins, often joins me uh, every Monday on the uh, show that I do for Onside Radio. And we, and we usually recap the Canes. We talk a whole lot of recruiting. And this week, obviously, there's no football game to review. There's not going to be another one after this weekend either. We're, we're waiting till December 5th for the season to resume. And it, it feels like such a weird time because you, you've gone through an eight-game uh, schedule. And mm-hmm. to have back-to-back bye weeks, obviously, amid this COVID pandemic, it, it just – you feel like, okay, this is a weird, a really weird pause. You have no idea how the team is going to come back looking in a couple of weeks, especially how many of those guys are out. We really don't have a clear cut number of how many guys are, are sort of in quarantine or uh, are out because of contact tracing. And so that's going to really affect them once they get back on the field, in my opinion. Um, I guess to this point, David, what have you sort of surmised from this seven and one start? And I'm of the opinion, like, I don't think the Canes need to play another game. If I'm Manny Diaz, I'm satisfied with what with what's gone on. We don't know if there's going to be more games uh, sure. down the road. You know, other other cancellations because other teams may have may have COVID issues as well. I mean, to this point, would you say the season has been a success? Definitely a success, in my opinion. Um, 
you know, I think we, we always hold Miami to the highest standard, right? Because mm-hmm. we, we all remember when Miami essentially was what Alabama is now. So it is tough to judge a team against that standard. That's just what Miami as a program is always going to have to deal with. So is this team, uh, you know, even close to that standard? No, of course not. But I think if, if we all took a step back and, and, you know, take a look at what this Miami team has accomplished within the context of, you know, going back to even last year, Miami was a six and seven team lost to teams like FIU, Duke, Louisiana tech. We all remember that Manny Diaz made a ton of off season changes, which I think all of those changes have hit. Uh, so Manny Diaz, in my opinion, deserves a ton of credit for those changes. Uh, you know, I think it's worth too noting that he made those changes during this pandemic year. And so there wasn't much, you know, quote unquote, normal time to kind of settle in and get those changes uh, adapted uh, during a typical year. So they've had to do all, they made a ton of changes, which they deserve credit for. They had to uh, implement those changes on the fly, I think, because the mm-hmm. off season hasn't been normal. And yeah, the big picture seven and one. I mean, look, at the end of the day, we can nitpick every little thing in a game, right? Um, and certainly that's the case for, you know, 99% of the teams. I think in college football this year, we're seeing, you know, I think you could argue Alabama might be the best of the best. They're kind of in a category of their own. Then there's like three to five other teams. And then it's kind of, you know, seven through 40, right? And Mm -hmm. Miami's probably in that seven through 40. They're pulling out the close games, which they deserve credit for. They're they're finding a way to win, which I think is a trait. I think that does matter. And, uh, you know, so in the big picture, seven and one, it's a big deal. I think it's the biggest deal in recruiting because at the end of the day, recruits don't care like, oh, uh, Miami struggled in third down in this game, right? Mm -hmm. Miami allowed 40 points in a win over NC state recruits don't really look at that recruits just want to know, are you winning games? And and so far this team is winning games. And if you're winning games, you're usually keeping your coaching staff around. You're not making changes. And I think that's been sort of the, the backdrop to what's happened the last 15 years of mediocrity where you go through these bad seasons and you're, and you're making changes on your staff. Now, sometimes guys may leave for better jobs, but, that has happened few and far between at Miami in the last 15 years. Usually when guys move on, it's because the head coach is fired or because the head coach is under tremendous pressure to make changes to that staff. And as you mentioned, Manny made all of those changes uh, and, and they were the right changes. He, he, he had the yeah. wrong offensive coordinator. He needed a different offense. And I think that's really invigorated um, the recruiting base and, and South Florida in general. They, they're getting to watch an offense that they play in high school and they like playing in versus, you know, a a slow plotting sort of traditional offense, which unfortunately is outdated. I prefer that offense. Whenever I'm playing video games and it's been years, I love running (laughs) the football three, three yards in a cloud of dust and and ball control. Nowadays it's hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And I think Red Lashley, look, he's a very good play caller. I think that's one thing you can say about him. A lot of the times he has the defense, 
out of sync. And a lot of Miami's touchdowns have been because they've completely fooled the other team with whatever they've called, at least their big plays. Um, that said, when we, when you look at this offense, where do you still see areas where, okay, they need to get a lot better here? Yeah. So I think it, it ties into your point in terms of why Miami needed to make the switch from mm-hmm. a, you know, pro style offense to the spread. Cause you know, as you know, you would agree with this. A, a pro style offense can work if you have the personnel, right? But, right? but Miami has to play to its personnel. And, you know, in recent years, they've had better talent at the skill positions than on the offensive line uh, for the most part. And, you know, that's, that's once again the case this year. I, I kind of look at this offense and I wish the run blocking was a little more impactful. Mm-hmm. To me, honestly, I don't have very many issues with the, the job they're doing in pass protection. Uh, I think Derek King, for the most part, has a clean pocket in most of these games. Uh, against Virginia Tech, it wasn't good enough, but as we know, they were dealing with COVID issues going mm-hmm. up, you no, know, no going into that game. <laughs> and I think it was different in practice, right? And, and there was also a new guy inserted into the lineup. So maybe that that caused some continuity issues with the pass protection in that game. But my biggest issue is the run blocking, which which you know really I've never really seen that before. This is kind of the second this is kind of the second straight year where you could argue. Now last year the pass protection wasn't good at all either, but I would argue the pass protection was still slightly better than the run blocking last year too. And really you don't see that because typically run blocking it just comes more naturally to an offensive line, right? Because mm-hmm. you're just going forward. You are dictating terms when you're run blocking. Uh, so is that a strength and conditioning issue? Is that a size issue? I think you and I would both agree that this offensive line kind of is like a finesse group. It's yeah. not like the biggest, strongest line that's going to impose its will on you in the run game. Uh, so would a, another year in the strength program improve that? Probably. I think the bottom line is it just comes down to recruiting. You got to recruit better offensive linemen. I think they are doing that. Um, but, you know, the offensive line is a developmental position and it takes time. So they have some talented freshmen on the roster right now that I think will improve things in the future. I like the offensive line recruiting class they have committed right now. But again, it takes two, three years to have those guys ready to play in a game. So, um, you know, I, I guess to answer your question, to me, it's run blocking. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement. And, and that you can see when you when you look at the numbers, how far they've dropped off last year. Uh, I think they were 120th in rushing in terms of yards per game. I don't know where they were exactly in yards per rush, but it, it wasn't good. And certainly I would say another area where there's been somewhat of a drop-off has been the receiver position. Uh, And although Mike Harley has played really well this year um, and really started to turn a corner, I think um, that's still a position where you're not maybe getting as much explosiveness. Now, these last couple of games, Mark Pope has started to play better. Uh, D Wiggins has had a a touchdown catch. I mean, I think a lot of this is De'Ara King making great throws and these guys finally hanging on to the ball. But I still feel like that's an area where if you line up Miami in a college football playoff game or a bowl game and you're playing against elite competition, 
I'm not so confident that right. those dudes win their matchups against the, those cornerbacks, those, those high caliber cornerbacks that, that would be covering them. And so I think they've addressed that in recruiting as well. I just think right yes. now they've got a freshman class that's so young and it's hard, especially not having a spring football season. I think that's really what hurt the development of some of those guys like Keyshawn Smith um, and, and some of the other freshmen that are on this roster. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, the passing game is definitely propped up by Derek King. Um, you know, I think if he had a number one receiver, Miami's offense would be so much better. Like even if, even if Miami had like a KJ Osborne, right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you would see this offense, the passing attack be so much more explosive. So, you know, I think it's a group again, to me, it's a finesse group, which makes, going to the spread offense, uh, the right move for this, the personnel Miami has on offense. Um, you know, I think those guys do have speed, but do they have the ability to fend off defenders and get come down with those 50, 50 catches we've seen that's just not in their skill set, Right. So, uh, I think they are improving in that regard as the season progresses, which is good to see. Um, but yeah, they, there are limitations that they do drop too many catchable passes from mm -hmm. time to time. And, but, you know, like, like you said, they are improving. Can they reach another level by the end of the year? You know, I think if they do and, and they continue to play more games, you, you know, you would have to think Miami's going to finish the season strong. Um, but yeah, I mean, college football nowadays it's interesting. Like, you know, the cliche is uh, you got to win the line of scrimmage. It's, it's trending with each year that you can judge a football team by how much more dominant are their receivers, their skill players on the outside compared mm -hmm. to the secondary they're facing just because football in general is trending to a passing game. And, you know, this group of receivers isn't a dominant group necessarily. Um, they do have speed. They can be dangerous if they have a crease, but can they take over a game? We haven't seen that yet. No. Defensively, I know that Blake Baker's taken a lot of criticism and, and it feels like every year, right? There's one coordinator who's always on the bad side of yeah. fans, right? I mean, last year it was obviously Dan Enos in the offense because they, they couldn't score enough points. This year, a guy like Blake Baker is is taking the heat because of, you know, shootout type games that they've had uh, that they've still managed to win, by the way. But the fact that they've given up quite a bit of yards here and quite a quite a bit of points there. I look at the job that he's done and I'm not as, as much of a critic uh, of, of Blake Baker. I think it's more a personnel issue um, for the Hurricanes in some regards. Yeah. I feel like agreed. I feel like the cornerback position, you're not getting elite play from, from either DJ Ivy or Al Blades. I think to Corey Couch has started to play a lot better. But you don't have those elite press corners like the Miami Dolphins do, right, with Xavier Howard and, and, uh, and, and Byron Jones and those guys. You, you have guys that uh, can, can do an okay job in coverage, but they're not elite. And I think the other aspect is the linebacker position. You, you just don't have – when you lose yeah. Shaq Horderman and Michael Pinkney, I know there were a lot of critics of those both of those guys saying, oh, they're overrated or they're not as good as, as former Miami linebackers. While that was true, they still were very good in, yes. by the most measures of, of um, 
analytics and production. And, and, and so to me, yeah. that's where I see the drop off. I guess I'm asking you the Blake Baker question. What, what do you, when you yeah. look at this defense, what do you see as, as far as the reasons for why they've maybe taken a slight step back? I'm with you. I, I, I have a heart, like I get it when, when you're just going by the eye test, right? Like mm-hmm. this Miami defense isn't as salty as it normally has been during the Manny Diaz era. And, um, you know, you, you watch and this defense, you know, in the back seven, they, pl- they do play off at times. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think that speaks to two things. You touched on it with the personnel. I kind of think this defense to me, I think the defensive line is very good. I think the defensive line is a top 10, top 15 defensive line in the country. And, and they cover up a lot of the issues that you uh, highlighted in the back seven. Um, and so if, when there's stretches in the game or when there are games where the defensive line doesn't necessarily bring it, I think those issues get exposed. Uh, I think too, you have to look at modern college football and how offenses are exploding in general this year. Um, you look around the country and look at how Miami's defensive stats compare to other teams like Alabama, Georgia. Uh, you know, those teams do have better personnel than Miami. And the, you know, they, they do have better stats, but it's slightly better stats than Miami. So, um, you know, I think Blake Baker is doing a fine job with what he has to work with. Um, but again, this, this, to me, I'm a big recruiting guy, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a believer in recruiting. So players matter. You gotta improve your defense by landing stud players on the recruiting trail. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's where things, you know, the, the criticism can begin and end. And I think this recruiting class they have coming in, if guys stay committed, they definitely upgrade the talent at some places. Other places, there's still concerns like corner. Um, the, the situation there uh, isn't great right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of criticizing Blake Baker, I get it too. Like, that's just what we do in college football. Those guys get paid. The players do not get paid. So you have to criticize the coaches. And, uh, but again, I think it's, it's probably a little unfair to, to want to fire Blake Baker because honestly, I think he's doing a fairly good job with what he has to work with. Yeah, I I agree. And you know, Miami fans, it's just the fan base, unfortunately, and they're critical of me, by the way, anytime I'm negative or whenever we, we make sort of hard looks at certain positions or players, they, they jumped on your throat yet. They're turning around and doing the same thing on social media and Facebook and Twitter or whatever, ripping people. So People listening to this, for, for those of you that I've offended here in the last couple of weeks, uh, I apologize. <laughs> I didn't mean to be too hard on your team, even though you get to be hard on your team. Um, <laughs> uh, David, I appreciate you uh, br- sort of breaking down the roster with me. It's always fun to get somebody else who, who looks at this roster constantly and covers this team on a, on a daily basis the way that you do to sort of share thoughts on on what you're seeing and, and to kind of contrast, you know, go back and forth on it. Um 
but recruiting is obviously this is an important time of year. Signing day yeah. is less than a month away. And I, I just looked at the commitment list and they haven't had a commitment since August 25th or 27th, rather, I guess Chase Smith was the last guy. Right. And they're still missing a quarterback. They're still missing a cornerback. Uh, as you, right. as you brought up, uh, they don't really have that on the roster here. Um, are you worried at all about this recruiting class, not filling those two needs? Do you think ultimately, like I do, that it's going to end up being addressed in the transfer portal? And that's just something we have to accept nowadays, that there's right. going to be certain positions that coaches wait to address through the transfer portal. Yeah, I do think – so the transfer portal is, a, is definitely going to be a new avenue to acquire talent because it is widely expected that the NCAA is going to grant – a one-time free transfer rule for anyone in the country, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's going to flood the transfer market with a lot more quality players uh, than we've ever seen before. I still think you want to build your roster through high school recruiting, right? But if you can't get that done, and, and there are reasons why I think it's, you know, somewhat valid reasons, particularly at quarterback, why Miami doesn't hasn't filled that need yet. And, you know, since March, it, it, it's because of there being a recruiting dead period. Right. Um, you know, Miami, the vast majority of this class, so Miami has 20 or 21 players committed. I think 17, 18, 19 of those guys are from South Florida. Mm -hmm. So they've been able to keep those guys home. Um, you know, those guys haven't been able to, go out and visit other schools because the NCAA will not allow it in terms of like getting FaceTime with head coaches. They can go visit schools on their own dime, but they can't be around coaches if they do that. Um, so the, the one position where that has impacted Miami is at quarterback because there just aren't very many, there's really no uh, power five level quarterbacks inside the state of Florida this year. So that means Miami has to go out of state and, and try and find a quarterback. Well, they weren't able to get any quarterbacks on campus before the COVID-19 pandemic hit. Um, and also, in addition to that, you know, Rhett Lashley was a new hire. So he was trying to still establish relationships with guys that might be interested in Miami. And uh, so, again, it, it's just a tough situation. Now, a lot of programs are dealing with this problem too, just at other positions. For Miami, it's, it's happening at quarterback. So right now they're zeroing in on USC commit Jake Garcia, who is probably the only big time quarterback out there that has actually visited Miami. Mm -hmm. Now he was, he was recruited under Dan Enos, um, but you know he is talking behind the scenes with Manny Diaz, Rhett Lashley, that line of communication is still happening. Um, but Miami is running out of runway in terms of trying to flip Jake Garcia. He's still committed to USC. He's originally from Southern California. He's currently playing his high school football in Georgia uh, just to get a senior season in. Um, so Miami's still holding out hope that they can, they can pull off that flip. I think if they do get that done, um, you know, regardless of what happens at corner, to be honest, if they just simply flip Jake Garcia, 
this is probably one of the best recruiting classes I've ever seen Miami pull since 2007. Um, I think, you know, it, it would be a huge domino if Miami was to, to pull Jake Garcia. They would widely have a top 10 recruiting class. And, you know, quarterback, we're seeing it this year play out in real time. Quarterback is the most important position in sports. Uh, quarterback recruiting is the most important position in recruiting. You have to always stack talent, always stack competition at that position to ensure that you have a difference maker there. And, and landing a guy like Jake Garcia, I don't know if he's uh, better than Tyler Van Dyke, but it would certainly raise the level of competition between him and Tyler Van Dyke. May the best man win in the future for the future starting job. And that's where you want your quarterback room to be. So uh, to answer your question, yes, it is concerning to me that quarterback in particular has not been addressed, but I think you are right that even if they don't sign a guy, they're going to address it in the transfer portal, both at quarterback and cornerback. When I had, um, I had Andrew Ivins on my show last night uh, over at Onside Radio, uh, Manny Navarro on the Miami Insiders, and I asked him, you know, who do you, who do you think they look at in the transfer portal? Because the reality is there's not a lot of great quarterbacks necessarily available or looking. But he yeah. mentioned Malik Willis, the quarterback from Liberty, who is the former Auburn uh, quarterback as sure. somebody that w- might be the perfect candidate because of uh, his dual threat ability. He's thrown 17 touchdowns, four picks, 1,800 yards. And, um, you know, he's had a good season. Um I think he's also, what does he run for? Let me look at his numbers here real quick. 744 yards and nine touchdowns. I guess he would be sort of another version of De'Aaron King in a lot of ways, but we don't know. uh, We're not, we're not, this isn't like a tampering type podcast. We're not sitting here saying that's going to happen, but. uh, Well, it's that. And also we, we don't know what De'Aaron King's going to do. Right. So I think let's say, let's say Miami doesn't sign a quarterback and De'Aaron King decides to, you know, test the NFL draft, right? Mm-hmm. Then I think Miami has to has to sign two transfer guys because I think you got to get a young guy that understands I'm going to be developed, and then you got to get an instant impact graduate transfer. Because right. me personally, I think like I, I I like Tyler Van Dyke, but I think he needs another year of seasoning at the college level before he's ready to be Miami's full time starter. That's just my opinion. Right, you're not um, lighting him up game one. So yeah, Alabama. I mean. Right. That's, that's kind of what it boils down to, too, for me. Like I like him long-term and in general too, I'm kind of just instituting my own rule of, you know, unless you're a Trevor Lawrence, a can't miss quarterback. I don't want any more freshmen or redshirt freshmen starting at Miami, because I think that's one of the issues in my opinion that Miami's run into in the last 15 years. They're always turning the program over to freshmen or redshirt freshmen that, you know, have talent, but aren't ready to lead, aren't ready. And then you get in this cycle of, oh, how do you, re- how do you re- recruit a, a high-level quarterback when you're already starting a freshman or true freshman? Uh, so that's just one of my rants, but go ahead. Sorry. No, well, well listen, you, you, did a, you did an article on all the quarterback candidates, and obviously you, you, you threw this kid out of USC or the commitment to USC, Jake Garcia first, and then you had Jalen Milrow, who, that, who they obviously flirted with. He's committed to Alabama now. Um, you mentioned some other names here, yeah. Kate, Kate on Salter, I guess, who's committed to Tennessee. 
Um, but all, realistically, I think one thing we have to note is that all of these guys, it's it's unlikely at this point that Miami's going to flip them, Correct. right? I mean, it's it's so late. It's in the just game. hard because they can't visit. They right. cannot visit. So if you can't get these guys on campus, you can't expect to flip them. Now, those guys you named besides Jake Garcia, I listed them because, you know, Jalen Milrow committed to Alabama Last year, Alabama signed the number one quarterback in the country, Bryce Young, Mm -hmm. um, who's probably going to be the starter when Mac Jones goes on to the uh, NFL this year. So is Jalen Milrow going to be patient and want to wait, you know, behind? I mean, Bryce Young's still going to be a true freshman technically because it's a free year of eligibility. So they're going to be the same age. Caden Salter. Very, I've seen him in person. He was at a Miami seven on seven back in January, February. He's a stud. He's really good. I listed him because Tennessee's having a terrible year and and their Mm -hmm. offense, quite frankly, looks bad too. Uh, Just the system they run. So would a quarterback want to do that? But again, it's a big leap of faith for any of these quarterbacks to flip to Miami. So realistically, yeah, it's very hard to project that. Yeah. And all right. So look, we, we've talked about what they need and obviously cornerback is another position of need and you and Andrew do a good job of, of constantly discussing and, and going back and forth on like potential options and okay, who here's, who, here's who available, who's available, et cetera. But are the yeah. guys they got committed and, and you've watched some of these guys in person. I have to, I went to the yeah. uh, sort of the last quote unquote combine. I call them combines. <laughs> Uh, sure. in March uh, up at North Broward Prep. So I got to see a lot of these guys win some one-on-one battles. Leonard, Leonard Taylor, to me, was a phenomenal pickup. I know five-star kid and, and whatever, number one at his position. Um, I looked at him and I said, man, this is a guy who, who's going to be just uh, a stud at Miami. He's really going to be a difference maker. James Williams as well, the other five-star, both of those guys. Um, I think those are like as much of a, a can't-miss prospect as, as we've seen committed to Miami in a long time. Yeah, I think because Miami is seven and one and they've had this good season to date, we have not heard any rumors about potential defections. Right. I think this is as confident correct. as we can be about Miami holding on the five star recruits as, as it's been in a while. Correct. Agreed. Yeah. And it, it's partly the seven and one start, which is the biggest part. But also, too, we got to keep it real and, and mention that, you know, the dead period with mm-hmm. with recruits not being able to go, you know, take a. You know, they tell you, oh, I'm just going to visit to visit. But still, if they get on Georgia's campus or Alabama's campus, you never know what can happen. Right. Right. So they can't those briefcases come out. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you never know what could happen on those visits. So, you know, they can't go make those trips. So, yeah, that's definitely helping Miami, too. But the bottom line to me, because going seven to one is the biggest reason why they're sticking because these guys already know like, okay, I can flip it any time to Georgia and Alabama if they Mm -hmm. want and be fine. So, but yes, this is why winning matters. And this is why, you know, recruiting is a reflection in a lot of ways of, of your on-field success. So uh, this is the challenge for Miami because, and Manny Diaz, uh, how do you keep, how do you sustain this next year? Because if you sustain this next year, the recruiting success is going to be sustained as well. But yeah, Leonard Taylor, man, he is probably the best defensive lineman I've seen from South Florida. And that, so before Leonard, I would have said Corey Leggett. Leggett? Leggett? Leggett, yeah. 
the Jets. So, yeah, from so you, high. Yep. you've seen him, right? Yeah. He was a freak in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was the same class as Marcus Forston, uh, that 08 class, who I think was rated higher in the rankings. But mm-hmm. if you went out and watched them play their senior years, like Corey was a monster and uh, the better player that year. And it played out that way with their careers. Um, Leonard, in my opinion, is better than Corey, um, who went on to be a first round pick. He played at Illinois. Uh, so he wanted know. to come to Miami. I was at Hialeah High that day, and I can tell you that there was there was uh, factors at play, right? Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. But yeah, um, Leonard is Leonard is that type of guy, athletic defensive tackle that can wreck a game. And, and those guys, honestly, might be the rarest players in the country. Like those guys don't grow on trees. So the fact that Miami's getting that type of guy is a big deal. It's a great point about um, Leonard Taylor. I, I really was impressed with him. The guy that I, you know, and I look at James Williams, I think a lot of people feel the same way. At least a lot of the, the scouts and people who study this stuff that he's got such a big body that if you turn him into a linebacker, he would still be so elite at his position just because of his size and athleticism. But it seems to be something that he's fought against. Uh, You know, he wants to play safety at the next level. When you look at him, do you think Miami coaches at one point will be able to convince him, Hey, uh, you need to play in the box, dude. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that is the best case scenario for his career. In a lot of ways, it, it reminds me uh, back in the day of Ray Ray Armstrong, who kind of a similar body type. Um, you know, he had to really work at staying lean enough to play safety. But if he if he just allowed himself to grow into a linebacker, he, he would have panned out at Miami, in my opinion. And, you know, that talent is showing like he's still hanging around in the NFL a little bit these Mm -hmm. days. So with James, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I would assume he will get a chance to show what he can do at safety and, you know, see how it goes on the practice field. I think then the next move is okay, James, let's see how it goes at striker and and see how that goes. Maybe he can play at striker. I don't know. Um, Mm -hmm. But then if striker doesn't work, yeah, he's going to be a phenomenal linebacker. Um, The bottom line with him He's a five-star athlete, right? So wherever wherever he does, uh, wherever he, he fits the best, wherever he can get on the field, he's going to make plays. Um, but yeah, I would say, judging from what I've seen over the years, it would be hard to expect him to stick at safety at the college level um, and be an impact player. I think he can make the biggest impact in the front seven. So maybe striker is a fair compromise for him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in terms of being a pure deep uh, coverage safety, I, I'm not sure about that. Now, Manny Diaz has been at this recruiting thing for a while. And, and we can talk more about the guys in this uh, 20, uh, 21 signing class. Um, but to me, I, I almost would prefer to sort of look ahead to a year from now and development and some of the young guys that they have recruited here in the last year or two at its best. Okay. With the talent on board that that you already have. And I know they still got to address the quarterback position. We don't know what's going to happen with that. So it's a really hard question to answer, but just based on the talent that they got is Miami a better football team a year from now 
or do they take a step back because of some of the factors of transfers leaving guys like a Jalen Phillips, guys like, um, De'Ara right. King, so Jared saying, Williams. Yeah. Are we assuming Derek King's leaving? Are right. we assuming Jalen Phillips is leaving? I, I think it's safe to assume that those guys who have played really well are going to want to make the leap. And, and of course, Derek's already, he's part of that senior bowl, isn't he? I mean, he's already got that senior bowl invite. And I think, I don't think he's officially accepted it. Quincy okay. Roche has. Okay. So yeah, Quincy's not coming back. Uh, but yeah, if those, like to me, if Derek King goes, yeah, it's, you know, we'll see what they can add in the transfer portal. But mm-hmm. on paper, no, it's not going to be as good. Um, right. But yeah, pending whatever they add in the transfer portal. Uh, Jalen Phillips, also going to be a tremendous loss. Uh, but I think in general, you would feel decent about the way they have been able to develop defensive linemen in recent years, right? So, I mean... I often have to remind myself that this team was supposed to have Greg Rousseau on it. Right. Right. And uh, you know, which is crazy to think about like how good would this D line be if he was playing? Um, But yeah, to me, honestly, the key is De'Ara King. And and you could argue he is the biggest recruit that my, that Manny Diaz needs to sign for this year. Um, Because I think if, if, if they convince De'Ara King to come back, it, it would fend off any, you know, potential Rhett Lashley stuff that might happen. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, it would probably make Jalen Phillips have to really consider, okay, do I want to maybe come back for a fun year at Miami? Um, you know, it, it would convince a lot of guys to come back and rally around. You, You've seen the impact Deer King's had on this team. Like, yeah. guys rally around him. He's magnetic. He's a great leader, great player, too. So if Manny can convince him to come back, I think this, this program has a chance to get things rolling downhill in a mm. good way. Um, but, yes, to your point, if he does leave, it's, it's a lot of holes. And, and, you know, what I was saying earlier – uh, recruiting is a reflection of how things are going on the field. So if De'Eric King leaves, the quarterback they bring in or they go with doesn't get the job done, and Miami goes eight and four, seven and five, which is probably fair expectations. I mean, we'll see how who they would add, uh, but if they go eight and four, seven and five, your recruiting class isn't likely going to be good enough. So. Well, that's why I kind of geared the question towards, you know, maybe the classes that have come in under Manny, the 2019 kids, the 2020 kids, the guys that have just come in here in the last couple of years, because those are the guys that ultimately you say, yeah. can they grow into a better team, you know, with what they recruited? And we know attrition always happens. There's always guys who are going to want to get into the transfer portal and leave. But I'm just curious, based on some of the young players, and I guess it's hard. It's a hard question to answer because a lot of these guys have not played. They have not They, right. they really not even really touch the field outside of special teams in some circumstances. But I guess just from a a recruiting standpoint, you know, this last class was 16th in the country. The one in 2019 was, uh, let's see here. What did it rank? It was low. 27th. It was, it it wasn't a very good one. It's I guess my point is, does it feel at all as though next year is, is still a very much a transitional year. Like you can't go into the season feeling like, okay, these guys are ready to deliver. It's still a lot of unknown. Correct. Yes. Especially if De'Ara King does not come back. Right. You know, from what I've studied, 
really the standard is like the, the bare minimum to be able to, to compete for championships, uh, whether that's conference championships or national championships uh, from a recruiting perspective mm-hmm. is a program has to stack in general top 15 classes on top of each other for a three to five year stretch. Like right. that's kind of what it has to do. And, and within that, you got to hit on a quarterback. Um, so, you know, I think it's unfair to, to really judge the 2019 class. That's a kind of a transition year. Yes, right. I understand Manny Diaz was the D coordinator, but still transition year. I do like their 2020 class. I think that class, you know, uh, Avante Williams, hopefully he can get healthy. I think he's a difference maker at safety. I'll say this. I, I think Manny has done a good job addressing most positions. I think offensive line, he's improving the talent there with recruiting. I like what they're doing on the defensive line. Uh, linebacker, you know, we'll see. I, I think they do have talent, uh, but it's young. And is it going to be ready next year? I don't know. Uh, corner needs to, be, needs to get better. Let's be real. Running back, I think has been really good. You know, we're seeing those freshmen flash this year. Uh, and receiver, I like what they're doing too. Um, I think the group they have, you know, outside of the five stars that you mentioned for this 2021 class, James Williams and Leonard Taylor, to me, the other story is the pass catchers in that class. I think mm-hmm. Romello Brinson, Rashard Smith, Jacoby George, Malik Curtis are all dynamic players. I think you also have to include Elijah Arroyo the tight end commit from Texas. I think he's honestly one of the best tight ends in the country um, in terms of athleticism. So they are upgrading those spots. Uh, but again, you know, th- this, this subject keeps coming up because it's so important. Quarterback, what's, yeah. what's, what's it look like at quarterback? And right now it's just, we got to be real. It's a big question mark. Um, mm-hmm. And quarterback, as we are seeing now, like how many games – has Derek King alone, in your opinion, won this year for Miami? I think it's like two or three, just him being on the team. Uh, you know, if Jaron Williams is the quarterback of this team, I don't, I don't, they're not even close to seven and one, right? They're somewhere yeah. like four and four. I think that's probably more accurate. Four and four, five and three. I think certainly NC State game was won by Derek. I think hands down, you look at that individual performance and you say without Derek, they don't win that game. Um, and you could you could certainly argue Virginia Tech because he led them on those on those two scoring drives late to take over. So I think the last two games alone, Derek wins for you, especially on the road. It's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, look, I, I guess you know you and I study this a ton. You write a ton of stories. I write yeah. less, <laughs> which is a good thing for me at the Athletic. They give you a little bit more flexibility. But you, you guys work so hard on studying all this stuff, and I really, I, I think you guys do an excellent job. And to me, it's always good to sort of, hey, what do you think? What do you see? Because we've been around this for so long. I mean, you mentioned your yeah. first press conference being uh, Randy Shannon's press conference, and I think back to how you know that that, that whole butt buddies comment butt buddy yeah <laughs> yeah javaris uh James. welcome to the randy shannon era right right that was one of his first quotes from this first press conference and i think man ever since butt buddies things have just been so volatile right i mean it's just it's yeah and it's the same issues honestly like you know can't you know they've had they've had decent quarterbacks but no mm-hmm. real game changers right and, right. and it, 
like I've said, it's, it's okay. Who's the next freshman quarterback. Right. And it's Mm -hmm. just kind of like, yeah, I mean, unless it's like an obvious freshman quarterback, that's a stud, like, what are you getting yourself into? Mm -hmm. And then it's just inconsistent. Like they are not stacking top 15 recruiting classes year after year after year. Mm -hmm. And so then the fan base watches, you know, on the field, the product and yeah, it's, it's, that's, that's why, like it, you know. Alonzo Highsmith, uh, when I ran into him last year at the, uh, what do they call that summer event uh, where all the juniors are there? Uh, God. Paradise Camp. Paradise Camp, yes. Yeah, I already yeah. forgot because we didn't have one this past year. Correct. Um, the last time I sat there and I talked with him for a little while, he said it's the quarterback position. That, that that's, yeah. that that's really the difference. Um, because if you do look at it, there's a lot of other positions you can say you've had comparable talent to what you've had in the past. Maybe not the same elite comparable talent but certainly good enough to win if you had a good quarterback and I think that's what we're seeing this year they're good enough to win because they have a good quarterback correct quarterback and that's that's becoming amplified every year in this modern college football I mean the rules give quarterbacks and offenses so many more advantages than defenses Mm -hmm. and and to that point your quarterback point Miami now has a quarterback that can make plays with his legs and his arm. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's another factor why Derek King has been, you know, such a difference maker for this Miami team. So, you know, and, and I will say this, I, Manny Diaz is a defensive coach, but he fully understands this. Like he fully embraces right. that. Yeah. Quarterback, 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 quarterback is what matters. He knows this. Do you think Miami has the right head coach now? I was very apprehensive about Manny because he didn't have the head coaching experience. And I thought his first major hire, Danny Enos, was obviously a flop. It just didn't work out from it was a flop. From a from a personnel perspective in terms of how he interacted with that personnel. And then B, you know, the execution. I I feel though that he's really redeemed himself and he's shown us something this year. In yeah. the sense of he he can be a successful head coach. Now can he recruit the quarterback and recruit other positions that he needs? Hundred percent. Um, I think Miami fans should should want. Now it all comes down to results, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but Miami fans should want Manny Diaz to be the guy. He to me he he kind of embodies what Miami fans should want in their head coach. He understands the local scene. Um, he understands the history of the program. He's willing to, uh, play the schemes on offense and defense that will be exciting to the fan base. And yeah, like he, he's also just a very intelligent guy. Like he, he, he understands that he needs to represent the school and, and and have a dialogue with the fan base through the media, all that stuff. He gets it all. Um, and honestly, he's a good leader, I think, with his team. I think his team plays hard for him, which matters at the college level. But yeah, to your point, it all boils down to recruiting. Who are you going to pull? Um, what quarterback, what difference maker at quarterback are you going to pull? And, uh, you know, can you keep stacking the good enough talent uh, on offense and defense around that quarterback to keep it going? So, yeah, I mean, I think Manny Diaz understands like what it is going to take, but actually doing it, it's another deal. And we'll see. So far, 
I, I agree. Like I'm highly encouraged by the way he has drastically changed the trajectory of the program just after one year. Right. Mm-hmm. If you asked me this question last year at this time, yeah. Uh, my you weren't answer, sold on him. <laughs> no. How, how could you be, you know, no. he, mm-hmm. like beyond the FIU loss, like that Georgia tech loss was also an abomination. Like that Georgia tech team, you had no business losing to that Georgia tech team. So he, and look, this is, this is what Manny, this is what makes Manny Diaz, in my opinion, a potentially good coach. He is willing to uh, be introspective and address and, and be honest about, okay, these issues, these are the issues I need to fix these. We've seen in the past, like Al Golden was stubborn. Right. He, he would not do what it takes. Anthony Chigolo uh, was going to be a defensive tackle come hell or high water with uh, Al right. Golden. <laughs> if Al Golden had changed his defensive philosophy, he, he could have won a lot of games, right? Right. Um, so, you know, having a, a head coach that is adaptable and understands how to make changes, I think that's big in the modern era. And, you know, Manny Diaz shows those traits now, but again, results are, are what matter and you got to win. So we'll see if he, to me, the question is, yeah, this season's nice seven and one. And maybe this is unfair by my part. Cause I'm all, I'm looking ahead, mm-hmm. but to me, the question with this Miami program right now is how do you sustain the success? How do you keep it going? Cause right. we've always seen these one year pop-ups, you know? Um, but how do you keep this going? And, and to me, that starts with Derek King. Find a way to keep the guy in your program. And if you can't, maybe you hit a, on another transfer quarterback. But to me, it starts with Derek King. Now, someone I know who had a conversation with Manny Diaz recently and is very well tapped into uh, things going on at Miami told me that there is some optimism amongst yeah. the coaches that they think Diaz sure. might consider staying. Whereas it's not a foregone conclusion, which I think Miami fans with good reason would say, well, what else does he have to prove? There's certainly opportunities in the NFL for him to come on and be sort of a specialist, especially sure. because of his athleticism and speed. He could come in, play wide receiver, running back, and then be a part of a couple of packages and so forth and play. But I think for the most part, you look at Derek and you say, well, how does he get drafted high as a pure quarterback with this, with how deep this draft class is? So I think it comes down to, Right. How, how much is Derek King, like how sold is he on? I have to be a quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So if he, if he is dead set on playing quarterback in the NFL, then I think he needs to come back and put another year of film uh, on tape uh, playing against power five competition. But if he understands, you know, Hey, my ceiling in the NFL at quarterback, probably not that high. Uh, he could certainly be a slash type player, right? Which, you know, the NFL is definitely becoming more open to uh, these days. But yeah, I, I do think like right now, I, I think Derek King would get drafted somewhere between the fifth through seventh rounds, just my opinion. I think if he came back and had another solid year, successful year playing quarterback at the college level, I think he could see a stock bump up to the third or fourth rounds, but is he ever going to be a first round quarterback? I, I, he would I would bet a, against that. 
he would need to have a Kyler Murray type season. He would have to beat teams like Alabama and Ohio State yeah. and prove to the league that, hey, it's not just against the ACC, but against the best teams. And the only way you play the best teams, aside from the opener against Alabama, is by getting to the college football playoff or, or getting to the ACC championship game and playing Clemson. Then that's when you can sort of put that that stuff on tape that you need to put on tape. But I, I from my conversations with people around Eric back before the season started, I don't think he's necessarily hell-bent on playing quarterback. I think he that's really, really what he wants. Right. But I certainly think, again, my conversations with his people, his people I, I think there is an understanding of, well, I may just have to go to the NFL and play receiver or running back. And if that's the case, then that's the case. And I think um, I think Miami can certainly try to sell him on coming back and giving giving right. them another year. Um, but it, it's it's going to be interesting. All of this stuff. It's like so. So it's like so much of this is just unknown. We're like juggling. It's crazy. Balls in like, the yeah. The Manny Diaz era, it, it's, it could go many different ways for all right. these reasons. There's so many variables and you know, it all came together in 2020 in terms of he made all the right off season moves, right? Mm-hmm. Can he do it again in 2021? Uh, we'll see, you know? Uh, and if he does, like I said, I think he's going to get it rolling downhill and I think he'll be the head coach at Miami for a long time. I hope you're right. I'd like to see some consistency and I'd like to see this program get back to a level where yeah, they should be because frankly, they've continued to produce so much talent where there's enough guys playing in the league that came out of Miami and certainly enough guys that came out yeah. of South Florida in the NFL that you say with the right head coach, the right quarterback, this can be a championship winning program. It just, it's just so it's a very difficult job because of so many different factors, you know, other schools in the SEC, you have Clemson, who's a, who's a power now in the conference. Like there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to beat. And that's why I think Manny Diaz has the toughest job in South Florida of all the coaching jobs. I think being the head coach of the university of Miami is the toughest by far. And the expectations are always, you know, they are what they are, which doesn't make it easy either. But yeah, if, if he does maximize, like, the thing that makes this job interesting is because the potential is as high as any job in the country. Mm-hmm. Now, how realistic is that? That's another conversation, right? Right. But, but I do think, can Manny Diaz get Miami to a point where it's consistently winning 10 games a year? I think that's a fair expectation. Um, are we ever going to see that the Miami Hurricanes of the 80s, early 90s, you know, turn of the century, 2000s? I don't know. We'll see. But I think it's fair to say, why can't Miami win 10 games every year? I think that's fair. I think with the right quarterback, yeah, you get the results that you've seen this year, which is they find a way to beat teams in the conference that aren't as good as they are. Correct. I think yeah. without that quarterback, it's 50-50 whether they win those games. 100%. Yeah. yeah. You, they're, they're always going to have and we talked about the defense, like if this defense is not a perfect defense, but you compare this defense to other defenses in the ACC, Miami still has more speed than most of these other defenses. They still have more playmakers than most of these defenses. Um, so, you know, they're going to be able to put a defense on the field. That's good enough always. And just with their aggressive scheme, they're going to always create issues for opposing offenses. Most of these opposing offenses in the ACC. The question is, is your quarterback play good enough, competent enough uh, to score more than 20 points 
because last year when Miami was losing, they weren't scoring more than 20 points, which is nothing, mm. nothing uh, for modern college football. But David, I feel like even in certain positions, if you, if you are able to keep a Patrick Sertan home, okay? Yeah. Or, or Josh Jober, wh- whoever, you know, there's so many guys around the country that, that have come out of South Florida. If a Nick Bosa right. stays home, if, if some of these guys are like, hey, Miami's winning 10 games every single year, I want to go there and push them over the top to win a championship. Yes. And you don't go through six and seven, seven and six, eight and five yes. so many times. Those guys probably do stay home and you're 100%. not in this. But it, it, it's like at some point along the way, it's like they fell off that that elite wagon. And yes. it's so much it's so hard just to get back up in that seat where you were at. And, and you know who we're seeing? I think we're seeing kind of go through this, too. And I'm not saying Miami's out of this yet. I need to see two or three years uh, right. of this level, but Florida state is in the same spiral right now. Right. right. And um, they may not ever get out of it. They don't have not sunny South soon. Florida as the recruiting yeah. base and they don't have sunny South Florida as an attraction base. Right. But yeah, to your point, like if Miami's getting to the, and you know, I think you can look at Clemson kind of as a way uh, that Miami can potentially build its program. Like Clemson, doesn't recruit in terms of recruiting class rankings. They don't recruit at the same level as Ohio state, Alabama, Georgia, but they do recruit in that top 15 range. And of course, what they do on top of that is they land generational quarterbacks. Um, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, and even this DJ. uh, DJ Yeah. Like they, they ain't stopping anytime soon. And it it started with Taj Boyd, right? Mm -hmm. So can yep. Derek King be the Taj Boyd? We'll see, you know? Um, but yes, I, and I, I wonder too, like the name image and likeness stuff that's coming. Right. I think that helps a program like Miami, to be honest. Um, You'd hope so, but I think we need to see how a lot of these local companies yes. are doing coming out of, out of this COVID pandemic, how many people they've had to lay off, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I think if Miami can, can get somebody to help pay De'Eric King to be their pitch man, as much right. as he would get playing on a practice squad or, you know, right. minimum in the NFL, um, then he stays, I think for another year. Um, but it, that all, again, it's like all of this stuff is just so, so dependent on one move or another. And I guess I was kind of hoping that Miami wouldn't even need to worry about this situation with De'Eric King because there would be another quarterback who saw what De'Eric King accomplished this year in this offense and said, you know what, I want to be a part of that. And that would take some of this anxiousness over what De'Eric does away. But I guess it's just the way it is in college football now, especially with the transfer portal opening up and so many guys expecting to move. And, yeah. you know, it just, it's one of those situations where maybe it's just the way it is. You, you kind of have to live and die year to year with what happens at the quarterback position. That's fair. It might turn in college football might turn into that, right. With mm-hmm. the transfer portal, it, it might turn into like pro sports in some ways, you know, where guys, right. you know, move around all the time. So, right. Um, yeah. I mean, I think you're spot on with, Gotta, gotta find quarterbacks. And honestly, too, like Jake Garcia, if they land him, I would not expect him to be Miami starting quarterback against Alabama. I think they, and Derek King leaves, I think they still need to go get a transfer. So, right. That Willis kid that, uh, that Andrew yeah. mentioned might be. Well, the, uh... I think there's going to be more. Like, yes, there's not a ton of transfer quarterbacks yet. 
but there's going to be, it's going to be, I think it's going to be chaos. I think it's going to be craziness, the transfer portal this year. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what I'm fully expecting. Yeah. So Miami's, Miami's going to be in a position and look, Derek King's success helps, you know, if Derek leaves, it would help Miami sell itself as a program that's friendly to transfer quarterbacks. Rhett Lashley, you know, besides Derek King, he, he helped with Shane Bichelle at, at SMU. So he has a track record as well, working with transfer quarterbacks. So I think Miami's still an attractive spot for those guys if they have to turn to it. Yeah. David, it's, uh, it was a fun discussion, man, going over all this stuff with you. And uh, I really appreciate all the time you gave me. And uh, yeah. make sure now, – now, you're not officially on Twitter with your own personal account, are you? I, I mean, I have one. I just don't use it. Right. Uh, so but, yeah, can... follow me on InsideTheU.com. You know, I'm okay. on there. I'm on the boards. And, uh, you know, we have a fun time over there. So, But, yeah, thank you for, uh, for having me on. It was a fun conversation, man. Yeah, who knew we could talk about Hurricanes football for an hour on a bye week with another bye week coming up, but we did it. Somehow we pulled it off. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. (laughs) Thank you so much, man. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, Manny. Take care, man. 305-954-568. This is the state of Miami. Y'all know y'all come down that way.